All right, and welcome back to another episode of Who's Lifting Today. I am here with Katie Orlick again. Katie, say hi. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Your first episode was awesome. Got a lot of positive feedback, so we had to have you again for yet another topic. I am so um, excited. Very excited. I, I am too. I want to talk about this topic for a while as well. But for those who didn't watch that episode, one, you're missing out. Go watch it. But yes. um, Katie Orlick is a body neutral personal trainer, elite power lifter, founder of EO Fitness. She wants a barbell in as many people's hands as possible, helping them enjoy movement in and out of the gym. Um, go follow her everything, which we will plug in the show notes and go watch that episode because that was, uh, I got a lot of positive people. Um, your audience loves you by the way, in case you didn't know, they are big, big fans. Honestly, Uh, it's it's funny how we were talking about in the, in the podcasting world, like fans are like, they will wait for an episode to come out. I seriously feel that way with, with my TikTok audience. Like I have the best freaking followers, honestly, like everyone is so, is so dedicated and it's, humbling and amazing everyone's like yes you're on a podcast i will listen to it i don't have spotify i I will download spotify (laughs) i was like okay cool yeah just which is great which is awesome and like totally earned because you put out like really good content so thank you it goes both ways but today i wanted to talk about something that i think you'll have a very unique perspective on which is like fat phobia yeah and the reason we're having you on as well is because like your past experience um if you don't mind me like sharing your weight is that like you were you know five two and you were 220 like 220ish 220 yeah. and now you're where are you now I naturally sit around 156 157 but at my first powerlifting meet about 7 years ago I weighed in at 140 even so you know 220 to about 140 Okay and the reason I want to bring you cuz I think like for some people who don't see fat phobia as a problem or mm-hmm. think it's overblown. I kind of want you to share your experience on like what your life was like yeah. at 220 and what your life was like at like, let's say 140 or like wherever you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's just talking to you off the podcast. It sounds like there were some pretty noteworthy differences. Absolutely. I, you know, me personally, I was treated very differently when I was in a larger body than I am now. Granted, I have become much more educated since. So it is, it's tough to look at, uh, you know, both of those at the same time. Nobody wanted anything to do with what I was doing in the gym. Nobody wanted to know what I was doing. Nobody wanted, you know, any help or anything like that when I was, you know, 220, 185, whatever, as we started slowly dwindling down. And now everybody wants to know, oh my gosh, how did you do it? Uh, What's the secret? There is no secret. (laughs) Um, But nobody took a second look at my education or my hard work or anything simply because when they looked at me, they saw me very differently than Mm. they see me now. They don't, they, now they see the hard work. Honestly, I think I, (laughs) I, I, work very, very hard now. I think I was working a little bit harder, honestly, back then than possibly I even am now in the gym. But people don't see it that way. People see, oh, you're in a larger body. You're lazy. You're not working as hard. Then they when, see me very When you were now. 220, yeah. did you have – were you a trainer at that I point? I was not a trainer yet. I was just starting um, my CPT through NASM. Okay. So you were, like, in the process of yeah. doing that. And, like, um, were you working out – as often as you were now? 
I was working out just as often as I am now. I think I may have right now. I consistently train four times a week. Um, back then I was definitely four times a week, possibly even five times a week. I can't remember exactly. I was training just as much as I am now. And so that's what I'm saying with like, you know, I wasn't a trainer. I was just becoming certified. So it is interesting to, you know, kind of look at those parallel um, <laughs> to each other because obviously, you know, I am much more educated now, but my education has nothing to do with the fact that I lost weight. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I totally agree with you and on I, that. Yeah. I say and, that to clients a lot of the time, actually. I, you know, anytime I do consult calls with clients, um, I do a little, you know, intro for non-clients. I'm sorry. I do a little introduction. I'm like, I'll, you know, let you know a little bit about me. I want to get to know a little bit about you and we'll talk and I'll, you know, tell them my whole life story. I grew up an athlete, blah, 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 did this, did that. Um, this is what I do for business. And then at the end I'll add, I did have my own weight loss journey, but I don't really talk about it because I don't find it prevalent to my field. And that kind of breaks people's brains a little bit that as a personal trainer, I don't find my weight loss story prevalent to my job. I am a good yeah. trainer for much more reasons than the fact right. that I lost a little bit of weight. Which I was going to say is pretty rare because most mm -hmm. people I know in the fitness world, and I want to talk about the fitness industry specifically, like use their weight loss journey, like out almost like as their main credential where like, whether it's before and after photos and like, you definitely could do that. Um, if you wanted to, and I give you a lot of respect for not doing that because I I'm sure you've seen how many times have we seen someone not in the fitness world loses a bunch of weight and then they mm -hmm. start to make a fitness page and they start to give fitness advice. Yeah. Maybe they take clients yeah. legally or illegally. Um, and then kind of use and like all from the built from they lost weight. Like that was mm -hmm. like, that is the, that is the credential. And like, I, yeah, I made a post about that a couple, probably a couple months ago and people lost their booties over it. Everybody was, whoo, people were a little bit angry because I said, you know, it was, it was that trending TikTok sound, the, um, you crazy, crazy girl, <laughs> that, that trending TikTok sound. And the text was just when somebody loses weight and then is now a trainer. Everyone was like, well, I would rather relate to somebody that, um, you know, that, that understands what I'm going through. And that's completely fine. I completely get that. And at the same time, being certified is the bare minimum that you can do for your clients. The app becoming certified is, is not very hard. I it's, yeah, I was going to say it's uh, like, even that's like a pretty low bar. That is a very low bar. That's why that is the bare minimum that you can do for your clients. So just because you lost weight, means that you know what works for your body that does not mean that you know what works for anybody else's body yeah or for other goals or anything absolutely along those lines. now what do you think i i understand like because you were getting educated at the same time that it's, yeah. it's hard to tell the assumptions where they came from mm -hmm. what were assumptions that you think were made when you were 220 compared to now that have like gone oh, away yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, I was an athlete my entire life. I was not new to the gym by any means. I was not new to movement by any means. Um, but when I stepped foot into the gym at 220, the assumption is, oh, she's one, she's here to lose weight, which eh, I was at the beginning. It changed very quickly. The assumption is always, oh, she's here to lose weight. The assumption is, oh, she's here for the first time. This is her first time ever stepping foot in the gym things like that. Whereas, yeah, maybe I was there to lose weight for a couple of weeks. And then as we talked about on last episode, shameless plug for last episode, um, that changed very quickly. I very quickly turned to, wow, I feel really cool 
under a barbell. I want to do this forever because of how I feel. I was not there to lose weight. And yes, it happened. Obviously, that's what we're here talking about. But that was not the goal or the intention. The the assumption was that, oh, she's here to lose a little bit of weight. And that was not at all what it ended up being. Or the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. And yes, that may have been true for me, but there are plenty I had. I, I, I think people look at, look at, you know, our, where we are now and they, they perceive us as being at the finish line and the the finish line does not exist. Um, And they think, oh, you must be like naturally gifted. I had no idea what I was doing when I first started, honestly, with the barbell. I could not squat a barbell to depth. I could not bench press a barbell. I had, I was not naturally gifted when I first stepped foot in a gym. And yes, that, you know, so maybe when people are thinking, oh, she has no idea what she was doing. Yes, maybe that was true. But there are plenty of other larger bodied folks in the gym that have a great idea of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something worth mentioning as well is that like, just because someone is larger doesn't mean that the goal has to be weight loss or is weight loss. And I think like that's something that's important to mention as Mm -hmm. well. What about like outside of the gym? So like the fitness world obviously like would have treated you very differently. What about just like, not to like name names, but like friends, family, like things along, like did that, did those relationships change at all? Those relationships definitely changed. I think that I was taken more seriously, um, you know, as an academic once I lost weight. Um, I also, I feel that my story is, my story is not unique, but I feel that it is, you know, it is unique in a way because I came from an eating disordered background. So I was very, very, very thin at one point in my life. And then I was, you know, large for my stature at another point in my life. And I was treated very differently. When you lose weight, everybody wants to know, oh my gosh, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? What's the secret? Yeah. And then when you gain that weight, everyone says, oh, what happened? Are, are you okay? And it's very different because when I was the thinnest that I was in my life, I was the most unhealthy. And when I was 220, I was making some moves to be healthier. Yes. Like I, it, it's very interesting, the assumptions, but in my personal life, I am very, very thankful for the support system that I have. My boyfriend has been with me while I was at my heaviest. He is still with me now. And so I am very thankful to have, you know, him as a support system. Um, I don't think anybody in my life was outwardly judgmental, but of mm-hmm. course there is that, you know, those underlying thoughts that, that people do have. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rare to find. So, well, except the internet, the internet, they're oh, everywhere, yeah. but oh, yeah. <laughs> um, in person, it's very tough to find someone who like, will just outwardly call you fat and shame you for it. Absolutely. Um, now, TikTok comment sections are ready. All rules are off. But that's, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Every single time. For people who don't understand, because I think fat phobia gets thrown out a lot on the internet. Mm-hmm. How would you describe fat phobia to people, to people who like maybe don't understand what it's all about? Fat phobia is so prevalent in our everyday life that we don't even realize how many things are fat phobic. And um, before we even get into it, I think it's important to realize that we're talking about this because we need to understand fat phobia before we can change it, right? We can't change something that we're unaware of, right? So fat phobia is very simple in definition, honestly, it's just bias or discriminatory behaviors towards people who are fat or are in larger bodies. Um, And a lot of it, honestly, is 
subconscious. So that's mm-hmm. the really hard part is we have to make ourselves aware of it and it's very uncomfortable and you're not a bad person. It is something I think that has unfortunately been shoved down our throats and it is our job to change it. Um, and if you're becoming aware of some of these thoughts that you may be having, it's okay. I think it's just most most important that you change them. Can you give like an example of something that might be fat phobic that someone might yeah. not realize is fat phobic? Absolutely. I think the first one that comes to mind, honestly, is um, ordering at a restaurant or going out to a drive through right? You see a larger person eating fast food and you're like, oh my gosh, they should not be eating that. And then you see a skinny little thing eating some fast food and you're like, oh, you don't even bat an eye. Or, <sighs> you know, you um, assume that somebody in a thinner body is at the end of their fitness journey and somebody that is in a larger body is not even yet started theirs. Um, There's a lot of assumptions about society treats fat people very, very, very differently than they treat thin people. And like I said before, when you lose weight, everyone wants to know, how did you do it? What's the secret? And when you gain weight, it's, oh my gosh, what happened to you? Whereas when I, you know, coming from an eating disorder background, I needed to gain weight. It was, you know, what happened to me, I recovered. That's what happened to me, right? Um, But yeah, just for a couple of examples of, of fat phobia. Now, I want to ask what, like, now I have an answer to this question, but I want to know yeah. your answer to this question, where people will bring up stuff like that. And the response that I've heard a few times now is like, yeah, but we should be telling them that what they're doing is wrong because they are fat and unhealthy and they need some tough love to put themselves in the right direction. Oh, you um, know, I can talk about how tough love doesn't work forever. Yes. But I will. <laughs> so I have an answer to this question, but yes. that seems to come up where someone's like, Hey, we shouldn't like shame someone at the gym or like we shouldn't shame someone like for what they eat. And sometimes I'll get a response that's like, well, that person's fat. Like maybe we should shame them so that they can get healthier and better will be like the response. Um, how do you approach that? This is all, this is what we were talking about last episode. This is all rooted in diet culture, right? This diet culture is a set of beliefs that your number on a scale comes before your overall health, right? Just because looking at somebody, you have no idea about their health. Somebody's Mm -hmm. body is not a reflection of their health, right? Me, I am, you know, people would look at me and, and be like, wow, you are a very normal looking person. I hate that right off the bat because I don't like the word normal. I got high cholesterol, man. Like, come on, you don't know. Looking at me, you'd be like, oh, you probably have perfect blood work. I got high cholesterol. Come on. But looking at somebody, you don't know. Somebody's weight does not uh, determine their health. So I think that's that's the biggest thing to unpack there. Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised about that because yeah. I think um, I'm going to go into the boring data stuff for a second. Do Whereas it. like when we look at population levels, people who are in bigger bodies as a population tend to have worse health outcomes. But on the individual level, mm-hmm. that variation is quite large, yeah. which I think is why we'll take the population level where it's like, well, you're big, so you must have insert these things like whatever heart disease, like high cholesterol, sure. whatever. Um, but when you talk to individuals and you get work done, like I personally, I'm sure the same has been for you where I work with people in like who weigh in the 200s, 300s, like even 400s, um, they do blood work and they're fine. 
Yeah, and there's absolutely. like, and I think like that's something to say. Now I'm not saying every person in the 200, 300, 400s is like definitely healthy, mm-hmm. but I think it's safe to say that like kind of what you mentioned is that like weight at best is like a risk factor, yeah, but does not tell the whole story. And that's absolutely. why when someone does have weight to them, you can't say for sure, oh, this person is unhealthy because they are this weight we need more information and that's why we have to like you know not make judgments out of the gate like at it well one it's their health they can do whatever they want but also even if you like wanted to make an assumption you would need more data because there are people who like have excess weight but mm-hmm. like really outside of that like you look at their blood work you look at their mobility their strength like there's really not like a thing that you can say like, oh, this person, like other than the weight on the scale is like unhealthy. And I think like, Mm -hmm. that's an important thing to mention when someone's saying like, well, they need the tough love. Like technically we don't know. Well, one tough love is bad, but even if tough love did work, we we don't know that it would work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like, that's, you know, part of like what is talking about fat phobia. Um, and I think like, that's the part that's, that's missed is that fat phobia doesn't mean you hate fat people. It means that you have made assumptions about fat people that may or may not be true. Um, and that's the part that I think is important to emphasize. And just like you said, just because, you know, we look at people who weigh three, 200, 300, 400 pounds and assume that they are unhealthy or we can look at the exact opposite end of the spectrum too. We can look at somebody that weighs, you know, a hundred pounds. We have no idea if they're healthy or unhealthy. You, mm-hmm. you need much more information than that. I was the unhealthiest I ever was at a very low weight. And like I said before, I was making some fantastic moves for my health when I was at my heaviest weight. You know, absolutely nothing. You know, the tiniest fraction of the story um, just by looking at somebody. It's, it's almost irrelevant. Yeah. And I think like, I want to bring it back to the tough love as well, because I think yeah. like, um, people in larger bodies, okay. I want to make a caveat here. Mm-hmm. Um, the term fat can be used both as a negative and as like a weight neutral term. Um, so that when we saying someone is fat, we're not like shaming them on the podcast no. that like the term fat can be used in like a neutral fashion. So if I say yes. a fat person, I'm not like Using like a negative statement towards anybody yes. who might be listening, um, because not not everyone knows that. So I just no, they're taking the thing. word back, and I love it. I love it. Yeah, and like if that makes them more comfortable, then like yes. I think that's that's totally fine. Fantastic. Um, but for people who, what was I going to say? For people tough who tough love, yeah. For people who thank you. For people who think like tough love is the option, can you explain to them like why it doesn't really work the way we want it okay. to? I can't stand tough love. And I also think that this cannot be a blanket statement. Um, I think that tough love can work for a very um, specific group of people. But both Mark and I work mainly with beginners or people who are new to strength training or completely new to movement, right? And so a lot of times our clientele thrives off of positive reinforcement. If you're telling somebody who is just starting out like, oh, you have to do more, you have to do more, you have to do more. That is super overwhelming. That is a fantastic mm-hmm. way to set you up for failure. That's a fantastic way. They are already having thoughts of maybe I'm not cut out for this. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. This is you know not my territory. I don't belong here. All those thoughts are already going through their head, whether they tell you or not. Mo- it's already there. 
You don't need to emphasize that. They need somebody telling them the truth, which is you're doing fantastic. You're making some amazing moves because that's going to make somebody want to, you know, come back and do it again and do it again. Um, Tough love works for, there is a time and a place for it. It works for a very specific niche of people. Um, But my specific clientele, and I'm sure Mark's specific clientele as well, thrives off of that positive reinforcement for sure. I, yeah, I fully agree. And I also think that like, when we talk about the two divides between like people who benefit and people who don't benefit, um, a lot of people don't benefit from tough love. Like there is kind of the go-to fitness person who does, which is Mm -hmm. great. And like, that's fine for them. Um, but like the average person mostly doesn't, especially because the gym is already kind of intimidating in itself. The idea that you would like shame them for missing a workout or not doing something properly. Like this is, you know, people always wonder like, well, why don't we have more people lifting weights or exercising? Well, it's like, you're not really creating the environment for them to want to be there. And I've said in the podcast before, it's that like discipline is kind of overrated. If you don't enjoy the experience, like you're probably not going to stick with training. Um, it's very rare and tough love is just going to be another one of those reasons why someone might not stick with it. And that doesn't mean Absolutely. that we like lie to them and tell them that they're a special snowflake and that yeah. like everything they're doing is amazing. No, of course um, not. but that we have to like acknowledge the wins, like, you know, be respectful when there are mistakes made so that we can adjust them. And, you know, this kind of comes down to like the people who are in bigger bodies that if you're just giving them the tough love, like they're probably already uncomfortable in the gym just because they are probably one of the biggest people there. People in the gym have, you know, pretty intimidating aesthetics. Like Mm -hmm. maybe in the fitness world, you don't think that, but outside of the fitness world, someone who is just like shredded with like huge arms and biceps and shoulders, um, you know, working out next to you, lifting like five X the weight that you're lifting. Um, is intimidating. And like, that's, you know, a lot in, I think if we, if we want more people's strength training, we have to create environments where it's like, we have to be more welcoming to like the person who doesn't fit that mold, because the only people who are going to stick with strength training are going to be the people who naturally fit that mold. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah, no, I think I have so many thoughts on this, but two in particular, um, one, when you said, you know, it's not like we're only saying you're doing such a fantastic job, sweetie. I'm so proud of you. Like there are times and places that the corrections need to be made. That's part of our job. Right. And I think, you know, if, if anybody follow, here follows me on TikTok, you know that I do this with any kind of form check that I do. My form checks um, blew up a little while ago. And I will tell you the secret to them right now. It is the sandwich method. OK, the sandwich method never fails. You start with a compliment. First of all, I am so proud of you. You are doing an amazing job because you are. That is the truth. Critique or correction goes here. Something that I think will, you know, make this move and feel a little bit better for you is this. Again, I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to see what you do. Sandwich method never fails, y'all. Compliment, correction, compliment. And the sandwich method lets them like, (laughs) yeah, and I really like it because it allows them to 
you know, take some wins that exist yes. there. Like it, you're not just doing the form cracks and you're nope. like, yo, like Brittany's deadlift sucks or like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly. like you're, you're not using it for content in a way that's like, yo, this person's dumb yeah. or doesn't know what they're doing. Exactly. Um, you're, you know, you're acknowledging like the thing they have to improve on because you do want them to get stronger. Right. Yeah. So like, and part of that is like making corrections, but you're also acknowledging what they're doing well and that they're trying to improve. And like, I think those are all things that are like, you know, we have to mention both because if we just, you know, if you just make content based on like, wow, this person sucks, look at deadlift. Yeah. Like, what yeah. is this? It's um, like, that's, you know, that's, that doesn't help them. Um, it probably doesn't help the watchers of that video either. Um, I think that's like something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. How can people be less fat phobic if they want to be? So like, yeah. how, how do they start that process? Honestly, I think this is so complex and I don't know that there is a correct answer to this. I think that the biggest thing, like I mentioned before, is just becoming aware of it and challenging those thoughts, kind of playing devil's advocate with yourself, um, understanding that people's weight is the least interesting thing about them. If you're like, ask yourself why you're so concerned with somebody being fat. Why is it your problem, right? You don't know anything about their health just by looking at their body. They have a lot of other interesting things about them beside their weight. Um, ask yourself why you're so concerned is, is my first kind of, maybe that is a little tough love <laughs> thrown in there. <laughs> ask yourself why you're so concerned. Secondly, just being aware of it, noticing you don't necessarily have to, you know, for step one, act on changing it, but just noticing, oh, this may be something that I view differently for a fat person than I do for a thin person. Just noticing those different biases that you may have. And then I think lastly, just kind of playing devil's advocate with yourself and, you know, asking, would I say the same thing or would I think the same thing if this person looked differently than they do? Yeah. I think that's important to understand. Like if this person was 150 pounds instead of 250 pounds, Mm -hmm. would I be saying the same thing? And that can be a sign that like, maybe there's some things that some mindset things that need to change yeah. there as well. Um, I think one thing that you mentioned that was also really useful is almost like the flip side is where when someone's larger, we're like super worried about their health, almost like unnecessarily. Yeah. And I think like the opposite is true as well. If someone it yep. looks a certain way, like if someone is thin and like has like, you know, not much body weight to them that we kind of assume they're fine. And I think that's bad too is that like and like i've seen even like doctors will do this where like oh like your bmi is like within the norm so like you don't you know we don't really need to worry about like where you're at and you miss out on things and like you know we're not saying the fat person is always healthy and we're not saying the person in normal body weight is always unhealthy what we're saying is yeah yeah everyone needs to check for themselves Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's what, we're, like, that's what we're saying we're not like we're just making no assumptions out of the gate and yeah. then if you're saying like is this person healthy like we don't know like we just said we yeah. want hopefully we hope they're healthy by, like by looking but we have no you, idea i have no idea i'm not your we doctor just, i have no idea yeah. we need more information and i think like that's something that's like super important um because there's just like a lot of unfair assumptions that are made um i even noticed this for so for you know i'll share the weights that i've been at where like i've been I'm five nine, so I'm also on the shorter side like yourself. And yeah. I've been anywhere from like one thirty on my low end in high school to I think I topped out at like two hundred, two oh five, and now I'm like one eighty ish kind of thing. Um yeah. at the two oh five, um, I was in this weird space where 
I was too heavy for the fitness industry, but not heavy enough for the body positivity movement. It was like yeah. a weird spot. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, what my weight was, was never like a good indicator on where my health was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one thing that we should also mention as well is that like, we're not shaming people if they lose weight. No. I think that's like an important caveat to make as well is that like, cause sometimes people, they engage in healthier habits and yeah. the side effect of that is losing weight. And like, we're absolutely. not saying that's bad. Like, we're just kind of saying that like healthy habits should be the focus. And then whatever your weight ends up being is what you end up, your weight yes. ends up being. The side like, effect. That, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It, weight loss can be a side effect of the habit changes that you create. But to me, it should not be the main focus because you can lose weight in plenty of unhealthy ways. And sure, maybe that'll work short term for you. But looking at the overall picture and in the grand scheme of health, weight loss is not always good. Weight gain is not always bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, yeah, that's like a great way to end off. For people who didn't see the last episode, where can they find you? They can find me. I am underscore EOFit on both Instagram and TikTok. And my website is EOFit.io. Awesome. Amazing. We'll put the we'll put it down yes. in the show notes for everyone to find you. Um, you have a bunch of like different offers as well. Yes. So people can definitely look into that. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. Um Thank about, you. like your and how like your life changed. Maybe it shouldn't have changed, but it did change. Yeah. And like letting us know kind of a little bit more about fat phobia today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me yet again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, always. Yeah. And thanks for listening to another episode of Who's Lifting Today.